Episode 76, The Cost of It All, Part 2. My local game warden told me I need a license to fish. That is ridiculous. You can't even drive a fish. Yeah, I know they're just getting lamer. Sit back, relax, grab a snack, kiss your loved ones goodbye. The 10-Minute Off-Road Podcast is about to begin. All right, welcome to the 10-Minute Off-Road Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki G. I'm here to delight your ear holes with all things off-road for the next 10 minutes or so. Why 10 minutes? That's how long I have until the trash truck comes. They make a lot of noise. I'd like to remind everybody you can listen to the 10-Minute Off-Road Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Breaker, CastBox, PocketCast, Radio Public, Stitcher, and a bunch of other crap that you probably never heard of before. But you can't listen to the 10-Minute Off-Road Podcast on iHeartRadio or Pandora because they're just stuck-up snobby bitches. You can contact the 10-Minute Off-Road Podcast and be ignored by the 10-Minute Off-Road Podcast at 10minuteoffroad at gmail.com. That's 1minuteoffroad at gmail.com. Or you can leave a comment on the very many social media platforms that I choose to ignore as well. You will not see one post, one comment, or anything from the 10 Minute Off-Road Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Is that even a thing anymore? And especially not TikTok. With all the legal troubles TikTok has, uh, I don't think you'll be seeing anybody on TikTok soon. And I have recently been turned on to Rumble and Gap, which is like a YouTube alternative and a Facebook alternative. Uh, they, very, they seem to be very politically charged. I guess when you get thrown off of YouTube and, Ga- and uh, Facebook, you go to Gab. But uh, So I started posting some of the videos on uh, Rumble and started making some posts on Gab. And we'll see how it goes. So far, uh, not too good. I'm not up on social media. I have very little limited time to be on the phone doing the social media thing. So it's kind of in the way. All right, so now that I got all the legal boilerplate mumbo jumbo out of the way, uh, let's get to the meat and potatoes of this podcast. Uh, it's been about, I, w- I want to say three weeks, maybe it has been four weeks. I'll have to check my records. Then I'm not really, don't really care that much about it, to be honest with you. But I just got a call two days ago that my engine for my Jeep is ready. They called me on a Wednesday, said it was ready. Uh, I couldn't get it Thursday because I ha- already had plans. Uh they were, clo- they were closed on Friday. It is now Saturday. I will be there bright and early Sunday morning to pick it up and uh, commence with the install. And hopefully by the next time I record this podcast, I'll have a Jeep up and running. And I got to tell you, it has been a living hell. Not just sitting here looking at my husk of a Jeep with no engine in it, but getting all the posts and comments and texts. And don't get me wrong, guys, I love it when you text me. But it was hard when you guys are out in the mountains. On the, Some people are out at Uori on opening weekend. And seeing all the social media and stuff, it killed me. I wish I was there. I was almost tempted to drive up there in my pickup truck. But I knew that would, that would end horribly for me. Because I do enjoy hanging out and camping with my friends. But the last time I took my two-wheel drive pickup truck out there, uh, I just, I, I, I did have a good time, but it, it was hard. It was, I just felt out of place. 
almost felt like I was cheating on a girlfriend. So enough about that. Back on track to the engine. Uh, still don't want to say the guy that rebuilt it yet because I haven't fired up the engine and everything. But uh, I still I'm getting a warm fuzzy feeling from this guy. He's called me up several times throughout the build to keep me updated. Basically, it's just the block and the head was all he was able to to save. Uh, the reason I was having problems is uh, several valves weren't seating properly. I don't know why or how. Maybe they just needed ground down. Uh, he said the cam was worn down to like, let me see how he worded it. He said the cam was worn down to shit. Uh, it worked, but not not very good. And I got to tell you, the Jeep was still running strong. Even, even though it was running on four cylinders, it was still running strong. The crank, he uh, recommended I get a new crank. He said he could he could reuse my old crank, but he didn't recommend it. And uh, he had a hard time finding a crank for my engine. He finally found, well, found a crank in my price range. But uh, he found a crank, and we'll go over all the costs probably on the next episode when I get everything down and uh when i pick up the engine and get a list of everything he done to it and talk to him and uh maybe i'll get him on the podcast too although he's an old timer uh doesn't seem like the podcast type usually builds v8 race engines and this this he hasn't built too many uh straight sixes he said he's built a few jeep engines which made me feel comfortable and he come recommended by a jeep friend but i got the warm fuzzies from him yeah he knows what he's doing and he, he's Pretty much said he doesn't build too many Jeep engines because they pretty much run forever. Which I think it might have been stroking my ego a little bit. But anyhow, engine is ready to be picked up and dropped in. We'll see how that goes. The cost of it, it was $120 over budget. Uh, he said mostly because of the uh, crank being replaced. He In his lifetime, he's been able to salvage quite a few cranks and really hasn't had to replace too many but he did and you know now that i think about it since we're replacing the crank i wonder if we could have stroked the engine up but then again my jeep before the engine gave out was running optimal i i solved my heat my overheat issues the, the jeep was right where i wanted it to be it was, it was running great i solved the heat soak issues i all these problems i've had with it it was gone it was dialed in uh so i thought about stroking it to 4.7 but and that's 4.7 cubic inches for you guys that don't know what stroking is well i'm pretty sure every guy is familiar with stroking boy this podcast is going downhill Stroking an engine, uh, you change the crank and uh, piston rods. I think you change the crank. I'm not too sure on that. But you change rods and uh, you get more stroke on the engine. When the piston goes down, it goes down further, increasing the cubic inch size of your cylinder, letting it more fuel and air to compress and bang, go bang. So for 0.7 liters, I really thought that I don't really need that much power to begin with. The the, the 4.0 does great on the highway. I I very rarely have my throttle floored. Uh, I don't think I've ever hit it off the rev limiter. Maybe a couple of times back when I was a little younger at four wheeling and uh, 
the way I got over obstacles was to drive with reckless abandon and a lot of skinny pedal. But let's face it, nowadays, it's my Jeep's traveling at 2,500, 3,000 RPMs, maybe even a little bit more than 3,000. I, I, I really feel like I don't need the stroker, and I really don't know what kind of problems that would invite. I might invite uh, more cooling issues again. So uh, I, got, I got it where it, where I like it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it that like that. Had big plans to do a bunch of maintenance on my Jeep while it was down. And I didn't do not one of it. <laughs> Jeez. I was going to tidy up some wires in the engine bay, which I kind of did a little bit, but not too much. I was going to do my disc brake conversion. Didn't do that. Uh, my oil cooler. I was going to try to relocate my oil cooler to underneath my uh, radiator instead of in front of it. And so I thought about it, and I didn't know what kind of problems that would create with the heat rising off of the uh, oil cooler, cause the, cause the radiator to not cool. Uh, I don't know. But I really feel like my cooling issue was my oil cooler. When I had it on the driver's side, the uh, electric fan wasn't drawing enough to uh, cool the to handle the extra heat when I moved it over to the passenger side in front of my air conditioner condenser uh, my air conditioner didn't work as well I think the extra heat from the oil cooler was affecting the uh, cooling of the air conditioning can condenser and so my air conditioning wasn't working so uh, I took the oil cooler out for the winter time and I just never put it back in because I figured I didn't really need it that much in the winter time so, uh, but now that the engine's out, I got room to look around and see where I can uh, relocate it. I saw somebody on YouTube relocate the oil cooler filled oil cooler transmission oil cooler is what I'm talking about uh, underneath the radiator on the cross member. They put a notch in their cross member, reinforced it, and uh, put the oil cooler there. And I thought, well, now that the engine's out, it's a perfect time to do that. But then again, I'm still going to think on that a little bit. I just, I don't know. So I'll, I'll look around. And I'm sure there's other places in there I could mount the oil cooler, transmission oil cooler, that's kind of out of the way and still get some good airflow. And uh, let's face it, any airflow is better than no airflow. All right, until next time, this is Nikki G saying, wheel what you got and be happy.